This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Episode 50 of the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things world-wondering stardom right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Rob Godwin, and I am joined as ever by Matt Turner. Matt, how the devil are you? Rob, friends of the show, ahoy. Ahoy, <laughs> sir. I was I was totally going to start this episode out with a joke of me wrestling Lady C at World Climax. But nobody cares about that. We'll talk about that at another time. Uh, obviously, some ginormous news. Uh, you know, let's you know, let's not uh, beat around the bush. Let's you know talk about it. We uh, we got the mystery reveal of the lady, uh, the mystery lady. Excuse me, and I don't think anybody was disappointed. No, we we mentioned last week, actually, that once the reveal took place, the amount of the amount of press they'd given it and the way they'd done it, if it was anyone other than Kyrie, you know, irrelevant of who it was, it could have been a slight disappointment. But the way that Stardom have framed this entire return, um, not only have they managed to get, you know, Kyrie, just in case you don't know who we're talking about, and of course it is Kyrie, stylized in all capitals, um, you know, not only have they brought her to the fore, but in the ensuing minutes after the press conference, we also managed to get Tam over, Yunagi over, uh, Oeda Tai over, and, you know, Mayu as well. So in that 10 minutes or, you know, whatever span that was, we got a lot considering it was for free on YouTube. But... Yeah, and uh, before we get deep into it, let's... uh. Give the apologies right away. You know, me and you always talk. We try to keep these podcasts around an hour and 20 minutes, an hour and a half. <laughs> that's not happening. For obvious reasons. That's this needs to go. This can go as long as long as it needs to for, for obvious reasons. But I mean, I have a whole bunch of questions to ask you. I mean, you are obviously the biggest and most passionate stardom fan that I know. I know we talked a little bit about yesterday. Um, you know, we're taping this on Saturday. The reveal happened on Friday. I text back and forth with you a little bit yesterday after it happened i just want to know you know give me kind of the beat by beat like how you heard you know uh where you heard when and like what was your immediate reaction because I'm, I'm interested to to hear your your uh what happened on your end so obviously when they announced that there was going to be um a press conference about Rio goku world climax and that the mystery woman would be revealed i knew they wouldn't be able to announce too much about world climax with obviously you know cinderella journey having to happen in the interim so i was like this 
it's got to be big if they're calling a press conference because all they're going to be able to announce for World Climax is, you know, maybe the odd match. They're not going to be able to uh, to announce the full card without spoiling the results of um, their February show. So I was like, it's going to be someone big. It has to be Kyrie. And obviously I work in a school, so I was like, oh, I'm going to have to wait till break, which is 11 a.m. Um, and I think the press conference was 9 a.m. British time. So I was like, it's all right, I'll find out. Um, and anyway, the two children that I support in uh, in their lesson, they weren't in for the first half an hour of uh, the lesson. I was like, holy shit, I'm going to be able to watch this coming through live on Twitter. And obviously, as I turned on the Twitter machine, um, it had just been announced that um, it's Kyrie Hojo on We Are Stardom. Um, and there was a kid sitting next to me. He says, Sue, what are you smiling at? So it's nothing. Don't worry, you won't understand. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I found out. I was following it along on Twitter, and then obviously more and more things were happening, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, but, yeah, the fact that Kyrie's returned, and not only has Kyrie returned, because I, I was worried that with Kyrie's return that she would be a figurehead. And, you know, to have Kyrie at the company in any sort of capacity is absolutely great. But I want, I'm, selfishly, you know, I came into stardom after the Kyrie Hojo, Io Shirai sort of years. I would have loved one final run and to learn that, you know, she's very interested in wrestling full time and going for belts. That was the big thing for me from this press conference. We aren't just getting, you know, the odd special sort of sort of star attraction match with Kyrie. She's coming back and she's going to be doing the hard yards, which that is the most exciting thing for me coming out of this, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, I kind of almost like CM Punk return. We, you know, we all kind of heard the rumors when Punk was not to turn this into AEW thing. Uh, obviously, CM Punk is near and dear to my heart, but we all heard when he was coming back, it might be for a match here or there. He was like, no, I kind of want to make the rounds, and that's kind of the way it was with her. But uh, like for me, how I found out, it was uh, the press conference was 4 o'clock Eastern time over here in the States, and during the week, I get up a little bit after 4 uh, to go to the gym and do my workouts. I just like getting it done uh, first thing in the morning. So I kind of figured, well, the press conference is at 4. They probably won't make the car announcement until around 5. So I got up, did what I needed to do, started getting ready to go to the gym. It was around 4.30. I went on Twitter, and I figured I would, they would have made some other announcements. You know, one of the announcements I was expecting was all the factions need to dissolve because there's only going to be uh, DDM and Oedo Tai because there's already 52 members. That's another story <laughs> for another time. Uh, but literally, right, probably around 4.30 in the morning, um, as soon as I go on Twitter, the first handful of things were, you know, welcome back, Kari, welcome back, Kari. And at first, oh, this must be somebody trolling. And uh, I was about 80 85% sure this is what it's going to be. And then I scrolled down a little bit further, and there's that 10, 11 second clip of her, you know, her reveal. Where Ratsy sat on the couch, and you could just see me see the smile on her face. And, and you know, Rob, I'll be 100% honest with you. I, I got emotional. I started tearing up a little. And, you know, if you take this out of context and take a step back, I'm a grown-ass man, 4.30 in the morning, in my kitchen, crying because a 110-pound Japanese girl that dresses up like a pirate is returning to her home promotion. But <laughs> isn't wrestling great? You know what I mean? But but obviously, you know, if you're, you're obviously listening to this, so you're a wrestling fan and a stardom fan, and, and obviously we thank you. But I, I was quickly reminded of a promo Kari caught. I think it was in NXT because it was in English where was after a match, she was crying and she was very emotional. And she said, I love wrestling. 
And I think that's where we all are. I mean, obviously I love it. You know, I love performing in it. I love watching it. I love teaching from it. I love learning from it. And because of this forum that we have, we can talk about it. And, you know, we get a lot of great response back from our listeners. And I think I'm just so excited to do this episode because this is a big deal. I mean, this is a big, big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, there's, you know, the, obviously I spoke about the way um, they frame this entire return. We had a little bit extra at the very, very ends that Stardom posted, which we'll talk about um after that, but obviously we learned that Kyrie's going to participate at the World Climax shows at Sumo Hall, both the 26th and the 27th. And we even, sorry, got hiccups. We've even got her first match back. Um, while she was listing off people that she wanted to fight, Tam Nakano's name came up. Uh, this brought out Yunagi, um, who was then quickly followed by uh, by Tam. Yunagi did her, you know, I'm the assessor of stardom and things have moved on. Um and <laughs> Kyrie looked like she was going to give her the spinning back fist, which really made me laugh. Um, and it's basically turned into a tag match where Yunagi and Tam are going to be teaming up um, with Kyrie and a partner of her choice, which, of course, she said she wanted to be Mayu. So on that first night of World Climax, the first two matches announced, are we obviously have Suri and Julia uh, at the top um, going for the red belt, but we also have... Kyrie Hojo's return to the ring on the 26th of March, tag match, Cosmic Angels, Tam Nakano and Yunagi Sayaka versus Mayu Iwatani and Kyrie Hojo. Now, I spoke at the very start about how the way Stardom did this, they were able to get over other members of their roster as well as, you know, encapsulating this buzz and sort of building on this buzz of Kyrie's return. You know, this is huge for Yunagi. Like, you think about what this does for Yunagi. Mayu is set. Mayu is the icon of stardom. She doesn't need this. Tam is, you know, she was the white belt for the entire of last year almost. So she doesn't need the rubble. Yunagi, to be a part of this special tag match, which, let's face it, it's probably going to semi-main that night. It's probably going to be, you know, one of, if not the biggest match on the night. The first time Kyrie's wrestled in stardom since, what, 2017? That's huge for her, isn't it? Yeah, obviously a big deal, a big deal. But I, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a huge deal. I, I, we'll get into the dream matches in a you know minute here. But like, if you take a look at this, obviously Kari coming back, she's one of the three daughters, obviously with Io and Mayo, Mayu, um, one of the biggest stars in the history of that promotion. But you take a look, it's like, okay, well, where was she when she left Stardom in 2017? What did she do between 2017 and now in 2022? And it's not like she was retired or she was injured or she was wrestling for Impact or Ring of Honor or Ice Ribbon or Seedling or any of those promotions. And no disrespect to those promotions. They're all great promotions. Mm. She was wrestling for the biggest wrestling company in the world. And you can say what you want to about the WWE. And I'm very, you know, I always say on this podcast and just life in general, you can have your opinion on whatever you want. But the numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. I mean, she's wrestling in front of between what's happening in the crowd and people watching, roughly a million people. And she was used very well. She was the inaugural May Young Classic winner. Mm-hmm. She won the NXT uh, Women's Championship. And those takeovers, they were always sold out. So she's wrestling on those takeovers, you know, once a quarter in front of 17,000, 18,000 people. And then she goes over to Raw where she teams with Asuka. And they win the uh, Raw Women's titles. And I understand the Raw ratings aren't what they were. But there's still like a million and a half people watching. 
I mean, can you imagine if a million and a half people were listening to our podcast every week? I mean, you'd punch your grandmother in the throat for that for for, for those numbers. Because <laughs> <laughs> my two grandmothers are probably up there in heaven looking down, saying, "Oh boy, he, he's intense, isn't he?" But anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> but you you get my point you, you get my point and then it's so it's like not only do you have this legend coming back still in her young 30s obviously i mean look at her this is the best shape of her life she hasn't taken any bumps in a while so she's one she's probably hungry you know she's got that fire probably burning inside and any nagging injuries that she had are probably gone and plus you have you're bring you're going to bring over a handful of those WWE fans that watched her and say, well, you know, I want to see her over, over here. So, you know, kind of basically, I mean, I'm going to kind of spitball and throw this at you, Rob, based what we, what we did for our last Patreon episode, the Yuzuki Akawa retirement show, you know, drawing over 5,000 people, you can make a general argument as far as drawing standing, you know, not in ring, as far as just the draw that Akawa was the biggest star in the history of the company, over 5,000 people. Sorry, that ever come close to this. I think there's a very good possibility by the end of this year that we're going to say, nope, Kari saying Kari Hojo, Kari, whatever you want to call her. As far as a dry, a draw goes between what she's going to do on merchandising, uh, subscriptions to Stardom World, YouTube views, and as Jim Ross calls it, an ass every 18 inches. I think at the end of this year, she's going to be the biggest star in the history of the company. Am I crazy on that notion? Or I mean, it depends how the user. I mean, that's that's the big thing. I mean, you know, if she comes to the ring and then, you know, that's it really. She has a few middling matches. They don't use her in the correct way, which don't get me wrong. You know, I'm playing devil's advocate. I have every confidence that Stardom are going to use her spectacularly. But it wouldn't surprise me if she leads her own faction. Maybe this is where the DDM split comes. And maybe we have Kairi Hojo. I keep calling her Kairi Hojo. I know it's only Kairi, but it takes a little bit to get out of that. Um, oh, maybe... whatever color, whatever you want. I don't think it matters. <laughs> so the Sky Pirate, um, she's going to, she could leave it to her own faction. And then, you know, she could be having Red Belt matches. You know, a match in 2022 with Kairi Hojo in the, you know, in the main event for the Red Belt, that's going to sell seats. Do I think the World Climax shows over either night are going to reach 5,000 tickets? <sighs> um, and then you hold that with, uh, with, COVID restrictions? I Yeah, because I think, unless I'm very much mistaken, and I'm sure very knowledgeable people in our Discord or on Twitter will be able to correct me, but I think for wrestling, um, the I think it's about 13,000, um, the capacity for Budokan. So if you look at half of that, it's 7,500. So, and don't forget as well, um, Japan are in the, in the process of sort of relaxing COVID restrictions. So I think if... If Stardom wanted to reach that 5,500 sort of benchmark that Cinderella, uh, Rio Goku reached in 2013, getting Kairi back, short of EO returning, this is the best thing they could have possibly done. This is the biggest star they could have bought in. And do you know what? It's going to be good to see Ka- for every- as good as Kairi was and is. In Stardom, she was overshadowed by EO. As was everyone, you know. Io was fantastic. She was always, bu- she, you know, she was booked incredibly strong as well. But Carrie has a chance to really shine here as well. So not only is it a good move for Stardom, it's a great move for Kyrie. Do I think she'll be sort of coming back to your, you know, overarching question? Do I think she'll be the biggest drawer in Stardom history? 
I don't know. Um, is my honest answer. Um, well, question with the choir i would give you another question and who in your opinions again as far as a dry i think me and you both agree eo's number one she's the goat of stardom but as far as a draw goes who do you think is 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 the no, number one draw in stardom history hmm. i mean your obvious thing is to go for mayu but you know she's, she's been there the longest yeah she's been there the longest absolutely so if you're talking cumulatively then it's going to be mayu but you know on the flip side of that Mayu has been in the company this entire time and they haven't reached that benchmark again. I think if EO is one, then Kyrie and Great Mayu on Instagram. Is... Say again? No, I just said anybody that has, has a strong opinion, you know, just let us know. Let us know on, on social media in the Discord. Yeah, absolutely. I think if, like say, if EO is number one, then uh, Kyrie and Mayu with two A and two B. Yeah, and we'll see what happens. Obviously, this is a huge deal. It's creating a lot of buzz. A lot of buzz. I mean, I I even know through uh, friends and fans of mine, and even uh, fellow wrestlers, they're kind of on the fence of watching Stardom. You know, when this announcement hit, it was uh, you know I had a lot of questions. You know, how do I subscribe? How do I do this? How do I you know navigate? I mean, this is at a point where I think they need to turn the Stardom World thing into an app. Instead of just logging onto a website, because some people just it's a lot easier to log onto an app, like how the WWE Network was. You know, now Peacock, it's it's, it's an app where you can just download it on your PlayStation or your Fire Stick or whatever. Instead of going, you know, onto a website and then you have to hit the translate or whatever. I mean, you invested all this into getting Kari. I think you need to invest into it maybe an easier mode to uh, for overseas fans to watch the product. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you. I've said this for many many months at the Stardom World site needs a revamp um you know i'm sure live streaming is on the way but obviously with a team of one <laughs> on the english translation team one or two the they do need uh, more support and i think that could be where they're going with this because as you mentioned before Kyrie's done all this stuff in the u.s and you know there's going to be arguments about how well she was treated she was treated very well in nxt she was you know the nxt women's champion she as you already mentioned won the inaugural may young classic you know her time on Raw, it was it was there. I mean, I don't think anyone can really say she was treated like a superstar, but, you know, on the flip side of that, she still held titles on the main roster, so she was a known commodity. Um, it's going to bring Western Eyes over. You know, yeah. inherently, it is going to bring Western Eyes over, so obviously a better time to measure this will be after World Climax when we get the numbers of tickets, but also, you know, subscriptions to Stardom World and people who've bought the pay-per-view and things like that. I'll be very interested to see what sort of a bump we're talking after this signing. But even if it doesn't, you know, from a very selfish standpoint, I am buzzing for this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she even wrestled at a WrestleMania. Now, again, because of COVID restrictions, it was the empty arena WrestleMania. But still, you're still having... I mean, between views on the network, uh, Peacock, you know, whatever, DVD views, YouTube views, and the people going back and watching it, it's still probably over a million people that watched that match. 
And most people have two eyes, so that's over two million eyeballs that watch that. So uh, <laughs> the, there's that. And you know, one of the one, one of the biggest misses in WWE, and again, this is no fault of their own because of the COVID. That WrestleMania was supposed to take place uh, at Raymond James Stadium, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play. Just imagine Kari Sane, Kari Hojo, Kari, whatever you want to call it, coming out on that giant pirate ship that they have out towards the one of the end zone. I mean, that just writes itself, doesn't it? Oh, it'd be incredible. I mean. <laughs> Just imagine her right at the top. The spotlight hits her. Oh, it'd be incredible. But uh, That infectious smile. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, just for a little bit of context, obviously, as we record this, we're a little bit late this week for um, unavoidable reasons. It's the 19th of February. She's going to wrestle her first match in the company on the 26th. She has not wrestled a match since the 20th of July, 2020. And that was her last match on Raw against Bailey, So it's going to be almost two years since she last wrestled, which is mind-boggling. 20 months since Kairi Hojo's match, last match to her re-debut match, Matt. So yeah. she's already said, she said in the press conference, I am in the best shape I've ever been in. I'm buzzing. I'm really excited about it. Not only that, though. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you can see it. She owns her own gym when she moved back. You can see it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're you're cutting out there, buddy. Go ahead. No, please carry on. Oh no, you can tell from the you know she was she was trimmed up in the abs and her arms were just huge. You know, I mean, just obviously in the the best shape of her life. However, again, to play devil's advocate, wrestling shape being in ring shape is completely different than gym shape. So, you know, hopefully she's in the gym training. You know, I think her tag match with Unagi Tam and Mayu, I think her first couple matches to maybe bang off some of the ring rust is, is kind of the way to go. But another question I have for you, the current roster of Stardom now compared to the majority of the roster during Kari's uh, run, you know, do you think it's better, worse, the middle? Obviously, you know, the number one person on her original run was Io Shirai. So obviously the number one person there now, whether it's Mayu or Tam or Siri or whoever, you know, it's no offense. It's still, you know, EO's still number one, but compare the two rosters. Do you think that she's going to have better matches with the current roster than she did in her initial run? Yes. Um, the reason I say that is because in 2015, 16, 17, 18, we had them, and then it was a very top heavy roster. Whereas now you look at, you know, the likes of DDM, you know, just in DDM, she could have a great match with Julia, Siori, Micah, Himika, Natsupoi. You know, she's got history with Natsupoi. So there's five great matches right off the bat. And that's without taking into account Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe, Tam, Mayu, Yutami. You know, I mean, the match, I know this sounds ridiculous, but of all the matches that I am excited to see Kyrie have now that she's back, I'm absolutely i'm i'm buzzing for the idea of kairi versus hazuki i think that could be an absolute barn burner kairi versus kaguma all of these matches now that are possible but i do think that the roster now is there's more talent it's deeper than it was when she wrestled there before in my personal opinion what about you I totally agree. Again, obviously, Io, uh, Mako Satomura, probably her two best feuds, obviously, uh, both in uh, WWE in one way or another. But even the constant that's there is Mayu Yutani. 
And I think we'll both agree, Mayu, you know, she's she's pretty much been great since the start, you know, her 15, 16, 17 run. But I think she's doing some of her best work now. So just to see, like, you know, a prime Mayu Iwatani versus Kari, I mean, buzzing about that. I thought the match you were going to say that you wanted to see the most would be uh, Azumi. Because there's another one, you know, mm. Utami. I mean, there's so much they can do with her. I hope that she doesn't immediately join a faction or start a faction just because I would like to see her. It seems like I would like to see her tag with other factions or wrestle against other factions. So this way it kind of doesn't pigeonhole into something. Like obviously we were having the first match is going to be the tag match that we mentioned, but they kind of started something with Starlight Kid and Momo. So does that mean you know, obviously the big feud is Queen's Quest versus Oedo Tai. So does that mean Kari's going to team up with somebody from Queen's Quest? Is her next match going to be Kari and Utami or Kari and Izumi versus Momo and Starlight Kid? You know, where she can kind of weave in and out of these factions, um, where she can, you know, tag with one one night and tag with another at, at, at another night. So, I mean, you have that as well. Here's something else, too, that kind of just popped into my brain. Kari being in WWE, especially in NXT, She's learning. She's learning from like the the small things, and she's learning from people like Triple H, Shawn Michaels, William Regal. And then when she goes up to the main roster, I mean, if you've seen it on camera before, the the last person that you see before you cut the curtain in the gorilla position, the first person you see is Vince McMahon. And you can say anything you what you want about him. He's the most influential person in the history of wrestling ever. He took a, a an industry and turned it into a multi million dollar and now a multi billion dollar company. So she's learning little things of how to present yourself on TV better and, you know, from those people. And they're absolute geniuses. You can't deny that. So you don't think that Kari isn't going to go to somebody that already has that it factor, like a Mayu, a Julia, a Yutami, an Azumi, and said, you know, all these things I see that you're doing, you're doing well. But instead of do this, try this. Instead of this, try this. So immediately, I mean, you talked about at the beginning of the podcast that it's like even if she was just an ambassador or a backstage role – it was going to help out. So, so obviously we get her in the ring, but even the little things that she's going to teach that she learned from the geniuses over on WWE that I, you know, that she's going to try to help out, help grow the roster. So that as well. I mean, everybody in this company immediately becomes better having her backstage and in the ring as well. Yeah. Agreed. Completely agree. We'll talk about the Awaratai beat down because I know that's got mixed responses, which I don't really understand, but there we are. We'll talk about that in a moment. You mentioned something about um, Queen's Quest. And obviously, we don't want... I, I'm in complete agreement with you. The The longer we have Kyrie unattached to a faction, the more matches she can have. You know, she can have matches with whoever she wants then. There doesn't have to be faction alignment or anything like that. Ultimately, though, if she doesn't start her own faction... What about going to Queen's Quest? I mean, That's it, hundred percent. I mean, you look at Queen's Quest. We we both talked about the fact that they lost Momo Watanabe. They lost that constant in that faction. They replaced it with Lady C, who you know, despite people's <laughs> love of Lady C, she ain't no Momo Watanabe, not yet, anyway. So we need that big figure. They don't have that big figure. Obviously, you've got Utami who's going to be stepping up. You've got Saikamatani who is going to step up, and you've got Azumi, but. Kyrie Hojo was that figurehead of Queen's Quest, the faction that, you know, one of her best friends in Io Shirai started. And then down the line, if Io does ever return, that would be a ready-made match to take charge of Queen's Quest. And obviously we're talking years down the line, but 
I'd love to see her in Queen's Quest, eventually, if she doesn't start her own faction. I'm more than happy to see her with no faction alignment until after the five-star. I don't think I don't think it's important until after the five star and possibly beyond then. I mean, if you're looking at Dream Queendom, um, which we're actually going to talk about in a minute, um, and if we're going to do that show again in December, that big show, what better way to finish that show than with Mayu versus Kyrie? The first time they face off since 2017, and I think Mayu took the white belt off her. That would draw massive Kyrie versus Mayu in the main event, surely. Fully. So, we does go on. No, no, no! Please no, carry on. Sorry, I, I keep running into you. I'm sorry, my friend, but uh, it's exciting stuff here. But you kind of bumped into a question I want to ask you: Does Kyrie do the five star this year? Yes. I mean, yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't see. How she can't. I also don't see how we are going to be, you know, to be extending the field for the five star because just this year we've bought in um, Kyrie, we've bought in Tekla, we've bought in Mirai, and we've got Waka and May Sakurai as well. I don't think Waka Zukiyama is going to be in the five star, but you know, they've pushed May. We're going to be talking about May Sakurai in a lot of detail later, so maybe they'll want her on the five star. Uh, we didn't have Natsukatora. In last year's five star, we didn't have Saida in last year's five star. So there's a lot of names. We didn't have Azuki in last year's five star. So there are a lot of names that weren't in that five star that need to be in that five star, especially if Tekla is the SWA champ. It makes no sense for her not to be in. They're obviously very high on Mirai because she main evented Nagoya Supreme Fight for the red belt. Sai Reader's not going to not not going to be in the five star she's fit. Same for Tora. So it's gonna it's gonna be a very, very interesting five star. Um we talked about Awenatai. They attacked Kyrie at the end of the press conference. Um and Starlight Kid and Momo Watanabe and Natsukatora basically said this place has changed a lot since you left for WWE. We run this place now. Um I like it. I don't really understand what um, what the big hoo-ha is about it. You know, I think Stardom, as I said before, have done this perfectly because you've capitalized on the hype around Kyrie and put over the likes of a Wedatai, Starlight Kid, Momo, you know, giving their faction some more heat. You've got Yunagi, who's going to be benefiting from a huge match at uh, Sumo Hall. I personally don't think they could have done any more with this than they already did, Matt. Yeah, this was perfect. I actually saw maybe about an hour or two after the announcement, somebody cropped out Tam in the picture and it's had like Yunagi and uh, uh, Kari. And the caption on the, I forget who did the tweet. The caption on the tweet was, I can't wait for Yunagi to put this rookie in her place. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did have a, they had a brief little exchange, didn't they, where uh, Yunagi said something about being off being all Kabuki. And uh, Kari said, what are you talking about? You've copied my style. You are Kabuki. We know with the, the face paint and things like that, which made me laugh. So uh, maybe we'll see that singles match. You know, I'm I'm certainly not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to seeing Kyrie versus anyone, but uh, the ones that I'm really looking forward to, Kyrie versus Momo, Kyrie versus Hazuki, which I've already mentioned, and then the obvious one, you know, Kyrie versus Mayu, are all going to be tremendous. And, you know, Jesus, with the, with the roster that Stardom have got at the moment, she... She could have wall-to-wall bangers for the next two years against different people. I mean, Jesus Christ. 
let's move on from the Kyrie news. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking about it in trips and drabs throughout the podcast, but just a few other bits of news. It's everyone's favorite time of the year. It's the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards. It's a time where everyone on Twitter comes together and abuses the opinion of one man as though it is sacrosanct. Uh, But they've been announced and stardom have come out Smelling of roses, Matt. I mean, I'm just going to go through some of the categories and where stardom wrestlers have placed on it. Um, the most outstanding wrestler, um, Suri was fifth um, behind Shingo, Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega, and Will Ospreay. Uh, in the Wrestler of the Year, the Luthez Ric Flair Award, Utami came in fifth. Um, the Tag Team of the Year, now this is really interesting, Wrestling Observer News, like a Tag Team of the Year, Suri and Julia, ALK, came in fifth, despite the fact that they didn't wrestle a match after August. And that just goes to show how much people love their run with the tag belts. Um, this one's huge for me. The Wrestling Observer News, like a promotion of the year, Stardom was second behind All Elite Wrestling. So All Elite Wrestling got 4,298 votes. Stardom got 2,070. That's phenomenal. New Japan came in third, GCW fourth, UFC fifth, WWE sixth, Pro Wrestling Noah seventh, and Impact Wrestling eight. I mean, if nothing else, this speaks volumes to the ever-rising popularity of Stardom. Um, just before we... That, sorry to cut you off real quick, but think what AEW done. I mean, obviously, they deserve that award. Look what they did. They brought in Brian Danielson. They brought in CM Punk after nobody can get a hold of him for like seven years. You know, Minoru Suzuki, Yuji Nagata, you know, the Young Bucks putting on match of the year candidates almost every week on free TV. So, and then for stardom to uh, to play second, that's a huge deal for them to. I know we're kind of in the middle of the Olympics, so I'm gonna be a little corny here for them to get the uh, silver medal. That's a big deal. <laughs> Completely agree. I think it's absolutely huge for stardom to be second on that poll. Absolutely incredible. Um, Yutami Hayashita though won the women's wrestling MVP, beating out Britt Baker. Um, Siori came in third. Um, being out Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair rounding out the top five. That award has been won by Becky Lynch three of the last, uh, sorry, two of the last three years. Um, the Brian Danielson Award, the best technical wrestler, was won by Brian Danielson, which you know doesn't surprise anyone. Um, Suri came in fourth for that. Um, in the feud of the year, Utami versus Suri was second. Um, in the best. Best major wrestling show, and this is what I was on about with uh, rest, uh, Stardom Dream Queendom. Stardom Dream Queendom came in third behind AW All Out and AW Full Gear. So that's tremendous. The only other Japanese representation in the top five was the Cyber Fight Festival. Um, so then the rookie of the year, your friend Lady C, came in third. And then just the last couple, uh, Best Booker and... Um, Best book saw Rossi Ogawa as second behind Tony Khan. Promoter of the year saw Rossi come in third. And then in the most improved came Saya Kamatani in third. So, oh, and match of the year. I missed off match of the year. Um, we had Utami versus Suri, the five and a half star match from Tokyo Dream Cinderella, came in at fifth. I mean, 
the amount of stardom representation there is absolutely phenomenal, Matt. And just before we, just before I ask your opinion on this, Velkage and Armani Shoe Exchange on our Discord brought to my attention something that Brandon of WrestleNomics have been talking about to do with Google searches in Japan. So. Of these five companies, World Wondering, Stardom, WWE, All Japan Pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Noah, and Dragon Gate, okay, on um, the 1st of, of January in 2019, Stardom was last in Google searches in Japan. Out of those companies, it was last. Now, January 2022, it is top, and it is top by some distance. Wow. That's incredible. Now, obviously, I'm looking at a graphic, and um, for those members of our Discord, Velkage posted it to the Discord. They are above the highest point of any other company since the start of 2019 at this very moment, which is absolutely phenomenal. And they have trended upwards since July of last year. I mean, what a time to be a Stardom fan, Matt. Yeah. Not only that, again, the uh, Kari thing is only going to be bigger. It's only going to make it bigger. But I, I got to I gotta give kudos to you. I don't know if you realized when you started off a segment talking about Wrestling Observer. You said, I don't know if you did this on purpose. I'm going to find out. Uh, you said they came up smelling like roses. Did you do that on purpose because you, Tommy, Hashista comes out with a rose or... I would love to say, I would love to say that that was a that was an intentional pun, Matt. But I can't lie to you. I cannot lie to you. No, it was a complete accident. <laughs> I thought I was like, oh man, I was like, he's weaving this in because they they faced. I think they, the only the only category they came in number one in was Utami. I was like, oh man, this guy's a genius. <laughs> you know what I say? Sometimes you're better off being lucky than good. Absolutely. Yeah, Obviously, those are huge, huge awards. And again, I know, you know, the Wrestling Observer Awards, they're very uh, polarizing. And I've said it on this podcast before, you know, when it comes to Dave Meltzer, in the words of Terry Funk, he said Dave Meltzer is the greatest worker of all time because he's the only person to feed his family for 30 years without taking a bump. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's one man's opinion, you know, ultimately. But obviously, these are voted for by the fans, which I don't quite then understand the, uh, the abuse the awards get. But they're subjective. It doesn't particularly matter. Um, it, what it does show and what I'm using them for is sort of an indicator of where stardom features on the wider scale. And, you know, when it's in popularity, when it's above New Japan and things like that, and obviously we're not talking New Japan numbers in profits or anything like that, or, you know, numbers that they're able to draw, but, you know, in popularity, coming second only to AEW or, you know, the best promotion of 2021 behind only AEW. That's that's phenomenal stuff for stardom. Um, a couple more bits of news before we head into the two shows we're going to be looking at today. Um, Velkage on our Discord actually brought up that there is a new trainee at the Stardom Dojo. Now, she has passed a protest. She hasn't been named, or I can't find a name for her at the moment, but she is going to be introduced to the crowd at the Corican Hall Show on Monday, the 21st of February. Now, she is going to make her full debut in the ring at the New Blood One show. And that's something that I'm going to talk about 
Now, um, now, if you remember when they did the press conference for uh, Stardom Cinderella Journey um, and they were talking about the match cards and how the main event is going to be put to a vote, they also announced the formation of these new blood shows. And we've had a little bit more detail in regard to those shows. So New Blood 1 is going to take place on March the 11th, which is a Friday, and it's going to be in Shinagawa Intercity Hall in Tokyo. Now, the way it's been packaged is that it'll be a new show centered on the new generation. Uh, many players from other organizations will participate, and the announcement on matches and participants for the first show have been announced. So we've got... Um, a tag team match between Sai Kamatani and Lady C and Mirai and Mei Sakurai. Um, we've also got Yunagi Sayaka and Wakasukiyama taking on the marvellous team of Maria and Ai Huzan. And we've also got um, Starlight Kid challenging Haruka Umasaki to bring a tag team partner for the main event of that show. So three matches announced for that show. We seem to be blooding youth here, Matt, and giving people even more opportunity to work is absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I think we talked about this a little bit uh, last week. Uh, this is this is this is big because you're you're going to be in in a card on a show with some of the best women's wrestlers in the world. So uh, yeah, this is a great opportunity for everybody to bring their A game up. And again, there's probably a lot of these younger people, you know, grew up watching uh, Kari, Kari saying Kari Hojo, whatever you want to call her. So now it's like, now that she's back and in the promotion, this just gives them even more reason to go out there and absolutely steal the show. So I can see nothing but good things that come from this. Um, but I guess quick question for you, Rob, do you know how like we can watch it? Is this going to be on YouTube or is this going to be on Stardom World or? At the moment, there hasn't been anything announced for how you can actually check out this show. Um, there is more to be announced at a later date. So, you know, hopefully, obviously, March 11th is only it's less than a month away. It's about three weeks away. So I'm hoping we're going to learn some more, maybe at the Cinderella Journey show on Wednesday. But again, we don't know at the moment. Um what I do like, though, so, for example, Haruki uh, Umisaki, who I believe wrestles for uh, Diana, the fact that they are in the ring with someone like a Starlight Kid, the fact that May Sakurai and Lady C are sharing, and Mirai, because Mirai's only got, I think, two years wrestling experience, something like that, against, you know, the likes of Sayaka Matani, giving them that in-ring experience is a fantastic thing to do. Um, and May Sakurai, just spoiler, is probably going to be uh, my one negative of this show, but I think giving them more chance to wrestle in front of an audience in the ring, in a, in a less pressured environment as well, I think is going to be very, very good going forward. And it's going to help the sort of caliber, especially with that future of stardom division, um, if we're going to see even more people on that show. I'd like to see people like Ahina when she comes back. I'd like to see her on these shows. Rina, Ruaka, you know, really give these people, these who are effectively children, give them even more in-ring experience. Um because I think it really does. It's really going to help. As you as you always say, Matt, reps. Reps is the main thing. Final bit of news. And I wanted to leave this until the very end because I know there's going to be speculation. So, Sayaka Matani, 
Okay, I was wondering if we were going to talk about this. All right, <laughs> shut up, Nash. I was like, we got off the car thing, and I was like, wait a minute, there's one more. I'm like, all right, I know where Rob's going, and then you, you brought up the roses thing. All right, I'll shut up. Go ahead, Sorry, <laughs> right, man, don't worry. Um, so, Sai Kamatani, and someone posted on Twitter the fact that Sai Kamatani can't tell who someone is unless she's six inches away from the face. That really made me giggle. Um, but Sai Kamatani sort of came face-to-face with the uh, mystery opponent after it had been revealed to be Kyrie, and she apologized, um, turned around, and there was Kyrie. So she sort of turns back, and obviously we've only seen the back of the head and this white hat that we've been seeing for the last couple of weeks. Um, Kyrie says, how many people have you told? Because everyone already knew. Um, she then also alludes to the fact that she wants Saya's white belt, which bloody hell absolutely um but the big thing to come out of this there's a second mystery woman map yeah now i heard some speculations and i read some articles from some really uh prominent people in the joshi world and uh the one thing that i mean you can speculate on who it is you know tony storm or yoko Bito, but somebody brought up that you already brought Kari in. Outside of bringing EO in, which if it happens, it won't be for another year or two because I feel she's got some time on her WWE contract. Like, who else can it possibly be? But it might be somebody. Again, this, this roster is getting loaded. It might be a legend to come back just to maybe help out with some stuff backstage. And the main name that was mentioned, again, in a non-wrestling role, is uh, Risha Hoshiki. Um, which, I mean, obviously we would go absolutely nuts if the greatest white belt champion, in my opinion, comes back as kind of just a, a figurehead and maybe somebody that's going to kind of maybe mentor the uh, the young talent. So that's kind of like where I'm going. That's what I kind of heard and I was kind of hoping for. I'm not sure what you heard or what you think, but what your speculation is, but I'm excited to hear about it. I mean, I'd love it if it was Horisha Hoshiki. I don't think it will be. Um, I think... <laughs> We talked about it um, last week when uh, Saya Kamatani was sort of caught short by Natsupoy and how she had to double take with her to see if it was her. I think it's going to be Sayori Anu. Um, she's a freelancer. Um, she looks the spitting image of Natsupoy, which sort of makes sense as to why Saya Kamatani would have to double take with Natsupoy. I think they've done it right by waiting to announce her because I think that would have been overshadowed by the return of Kyrie. That's my own personal opinion. I just much said love to see Arissa return to the ring. I just I also don't want to see her hurt herself anymore. So just just no more. Just give her a rest. <laughs> she needs it. Um it would be a non wrestling role from from some of the speculations I said it'd be a non wrestling role. But, you know, I go on this podcast and we talk about how I know very few wrestlers, uh, female Joshi wrestlers outside of stardom. Her I know, though. I knew I do, I do know. I mm. mean, I've seen some of her stuff, and that would be jeepers. I mean, you're really loading up the roster now. Holy, holy mackerel. Yeah. The Crow Gorilla Monsoon, holy mackerel. <laughs> we're, we're talking a ridiculously loaded roster. So, I mean... That was all on Friday. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and there are shows we have to talk about, too. <laughs> and there are shows we have to talk about. Now, luckily, <laughs> these two shows, there was two huge talking points to come out of these two shows, which was obviously the main event of night one and the main event of night two. Um, but we will be going through 
the rest of the matches because there were some hidden gems on these cards. Um, let's kick straight into uh, the show from the 12th then. So Stardom Cinderella Journey in Osaka, the 12th of February 2022 from Edian Arena, Osaka number two in front of 402 people. So match one, a three-way. Saki Kashima defeated Momokogo and Hanan with the My Emblem in five minutes and 47 seconds. First thing we need to point out, Matt, it's a peach. The megaphone is a peach. Velkage brought this up on the Discord. It's a peach. How did we not see it was a peach? Momo means peach. Neither of us picked up on that. We thought it was a heart. Maybe just because we love our significant others and it's Valentine's Day. Maybe that's why. Maybe. Maybe that's Aww. what it is. <laughs> what do you think of this one, man? This is pretty good. It was a nice little opener. Uh, you know, Hana and Mobile Kogo, they're two youngsters that keep impressing me each week. Saki's obviously one of the most underrated wrestlers, but kind of like, it seemed like to me, like Hana got her spots in early and then kind of just kept getting pitched out and like almost turned into like a one-on-one match with Momo and Saki. Uh, again, nothing bad. They all worked hard, but nothing that you need to go out of your way to see. Yeah, absolutely. I did. Li- I did like the fact that Hannon and Momo briefly attempted to beat the stars back into Saki, um, which really made me laugh. Momo Kogo's pre-match promo was all about we need to get Saki back in stars. Uh, I don't know how much she <laughs> she thought that was going to happen, but there we are. Um, again, yeah, another Saki win, three in a row for the first time in what feels like decades. Um, the run wouldn't last. Spoilers. But even so, you know, a decent enough opener. I, I didn't bother rating this one. Match two, tag team match. The DDM team of Micah and Himika defeated the Cosmic Angels team of Mina Shirakawa and Wakasukiyama with the JP Coaster in 10 minutes and 25 seconds. Poor Waka. DDM just point blank refusing to say or acknowledge her in the slightest. I felt so sorry for her, Matt. Yeah, I can't even text you. I told you. I said this isn't going to be, you know, a match of the year contender or anything, but this was fun. For the handful of minutes it was on my TV, I enjoyed it. And what I enjoyed is, you know, Waka, obviously she needs a a little bit more of an edge, and she obviously gets it, you know, on this show. She uh, Himika does a good job feeding. Just, I mean, based on the size, I mean, she's one of the tallest uh, in stardom. She does a good job feeding for these forearms. And Waka's throwing them in, throwing them, throwing them in. And then Himika drills her with one, drops her, and was like, come on. And they just kind of keep going back and forth. And that's where she needed, you know, she needs that edge. And I think she got a little bit here in this match. And then she kind of starts belting Himika, and then Himika just takes her off with like a Kojima-style lariat. And then there's the, it's just lariats abundance in this one. It's like if Stan Hansen teamed up with uh, Kojima. I mean, there's just so many lariats from Mike and Himika that it just almost seems like, and then you throw in Mirai's uh, left-handed lariats, it almost seems like DDM is becoming the faction of lariats. But I thought this was, uh, I thought this was really fun. And I thought Mina, they did a good job making Mina look strong. Um, you know, for obviously for the tag title match coming up here uh, next week as we record. But I thought this was a really, really fun match. I, like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed everything I saw on my TV. And uh, Waka, to me, her stock went up here a little bit for the, this whole weekend, especially in this match. But yeah, they did a- abuse the bejesus out of her. God bless her. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she, for me, she's the underrated MVP of this week. 
um, between this, her reaction after the main event, and then the way she conducts herself in her match on the second show that we're going to be looking at. I thought she was absolutely phenomenal. Um, final thing, I do really like the fact that it now seems to be Cosmic Angels' new thing to slap Wacker hard on the chest to show support. Um, that seems to be the new thing. Yeah, to start the match, let's injure our partner before the match, before it even gets started. It's like from a psychology standpoint, I'm like that doesn't make any sense. But like, if you just take a look at it, what it is, and watch it, goddamn, it's funny. Poor Waka. Watching Mina trying to keep a straight face while it happens is also very funny. Um, we then get match three, a six-woman tag team match with the Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Kaguma, and Hazuki defeating the Uedatai team of Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe, and Ruaka with the moonsault in 13 minutes and 44 seconds. Um, this was really fun. The one thing that I did notice, though, Matt, um, this is Mayu's first match back from her tight back. She did not look 100% coming into this match, and she really, really seemed to struggle after hitting that moonsault. She seemed to be in a lot of pain. Well, I mean, that's one way of looking at it, and you might be right. We don't know. Another way of looking at it is uh, we talk about it all the time. Mayu Iwatani is like the greatest seller, like one of the greatest sellers ever in the history of wrestling. So that's a good point. maybe her back, yeah, maybe her back was only hurting her forty percent, but she sold like an extra thirty or forty percent on it, so to build that sympathy. But even the psychology of the match is like, okay, Mayu's back to show, Cam's back, you know, at this show, so it's like. All, all was right in the world on the Turner household when I was watching the show. <laughs> but it's just like, so you're kind of like, okay, you know, maybe they'll take it easy on Mayu's back. And then they just work on it and work on it. And again, the simple psychology is we all know who her back's, you know, beat up. She's uh, taped up on the back. It puts a big target on it. You have the biggest heel faction in there. It would make sense for the psychology because we're just going to beat up on Mayu. And then she makes the fiery comeback. Well, they do, they did, she obviously does a good job um, selling tags in Hazuki. She comes in a house of fire and then Mayu does fires up at the end. They do the freedom drop kick and then she hits the moonsault, which usually they have, uh, usually they do Hazuki with the Mijinoku driver or Koguma with the top rope splash. So that was interesting that Mayu would kind of fire up, hit the moonsault. Yeah. It just seemed like when she was hooking the leg that there was nothing left again, you know, she's obviously injured, but maybe she sold it to lead it on a little bit more, which is just the brilliance. That is Mayu Iwatani. And happy birthday to Mayu, by the way. It's her birthday as we record today, but I thought on the second night she looked a lot smoother. Uh, she seemed to be a lot more lucid than she is on this show. Um, it was a really fun match, though. Um, I gave it three stars. Uh, it was fun to watch. My, I don't want to sound like I am ragging on Ruaka, but she seems to be, at the moment, struggling a little bit with her pacing. And... I understand that she's something completely different and it's something that I happen to really like about Ruaka. But at the moment, she seems to be the... And I know she's obviously going to be the weak link. She's a rookie. But, I don't know, there's something not right. And I noticed it here and I noticed it on the next... Not so much on the next show, but I did notice it on the next show. I don't know if she was just having an off week or if there's something else. Am I just looking too much into it, Matt? Or is this something you noticed as well? No, we've been talking about this, or I've been bringing this up maybe every other week, that it just seems like that's her ring positioning's off. Even, I thought she looked a little bit better at night, too, and we'll get to it, but her ring positioning seems to be off, her timing's off, and again, look who she's in the ring with. Obviously, she's in the corner with Momo and Starlight Kid, which I think me and you both agree are the two best workers in a Weedo tie, 
And then she's in there with the tag champs and Mayu Iwatani. So it's like they, you know, they did a good job of kind of hiding her weaknesses and just keeping the heat on Mayu. But it just seems like there's always something off with her. It doesn't seem like she's progressing as much as, you know, we've seen Hana uh, progress or even Momo Kogo in just the month and change that she's been here. And I just, I just don't know what it is. I just don't know if she needs to get more reps in, if she needs to train more. It's just, you know, obviously we want her to be better. We want, we want every wrestler to be better. So this way they can, you know, have a successful career. But there's always just seems something in her matches that just seems off to me. It, but it's, it, it can always be overshadowed when you have the people on your team or Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid. But no, I, uh, I agree with you. There's just, there's just one or two things that are missing that she just seems to just not be able to put together just yet. Let's move on then. Semi-main match for tag team match. The Donna Del Mondo team of Natsupoy and Suri and the Queen's Quest team of Sayaka Matani and Azumi ended in a time limit draw of 20 minutes. Um, if there is any match on this card that I am happy went to 20 minutes, it's this. I thought this was fantastic, Matt. Yeah, and a quick 20 minutes too. They were like doing the, the countdown and I was like, are they... Is this 15 minutes? Because it just seemed like it went by so fast. Uh, there was some really good uh, double team work from the Queen's Quest team. And I talk about it all the time. You can put any members of Queen's Quest uh, together on a tag team. And, and they always just seem to gel well. Even when Momo was the leader, you know, you Momo Azumi, Momo Yutami. Then, you know, this one we get Saya Azumi. They do this really cool spot for their comeback where they both did double team springboards on both sides of the ring to pretty much give all four corners of the ring and the fans are really great visual i thought that was good obviously siri and azumi they have great chemistry but what this to me what this really came down to especially the last few minutes it came almost as a preview of saya versus natsupoy which stardom does really well because obviously that's going to be one of the big matches coming up next week and they tease like a lot of big bumps like they tease like saya doing a top rope uh frankensteiner uh to the outside on natsupoy the team Nat- they tease natsupoy doing a german suplex onto the ring apron so if they're teasing that in this match, that means to tell me that it's going to be an absolute barn burner uh, next week when we see this match. And it just it the, the match did what it was supposed to do. It got everybody over, and it's make it made me and I, you know, and I'm I guessing you and the, most of the fans as well more excited for that match coming up on Wednesday between Saya and Natsupoy for the Wonder of Stardom title. Absolutely. I mean, I really enjoyed Natsupoy versus Tam from July last year. It sort of flew under the radar a little bit, I think. Um, you don't hear many people talking about it, but I thought that was a fantastic match. And obviously we've been talking about Kyrie. Um, she was wearing Kyrie's gear during this match um, for the white belt back in July. I mean, so it'd be interesting to see if she does that here. Um, overall, I thought the chemistry between all four women was phenomenal. Azumi again, had a really, really great couple of days in between these two shows. I'm excited about Saya versus Natsupoi. Um, I think that's a a fantastic worker. I don't really quite understand the uh, the logistics of getting the white belt match, having not won the high speed belt. But even so, I'm not thinking too much about that. Um, and then anything with Surian, you know, it's always going to be great, isn't it? I mean, this is of all the matches on this card, this is the one I encourage you to go out of your way to watch. I gave it three and three quarters, Matt. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> shocker. Uh... 
you gave the last match three stars, so did I. You gave this one three and three-fourths, so did I. <laughs> As usual, we're on the same page, my friend. <laughs> um, so let's go to the main event then, six-woman tag team match. The Donna Del Mondo team of Julia Tekla and Mirai defeated the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Yanagi Saka, and Mei Sakurai with Julia pinning Mei Sakurai with the glorious driver in 21 minutes and eight seconds. Now, first things first, Matt... Um, I'm just going to come out and say it. We've we've said how May had been improving in ring, and you know, in a tag setting, you could potentially hide some of her inconsistencies. I thought here she'd gone back to looking like that deer in headlights. Now it might be because she had to have that time off with COVID. Obviously, this is Tam, May, and Wacker's first show back after having to isolate. It could be with the angle that happens post-match. She was just very preoccupied, but there was a lot of times in this match where she was in the wrong position or she didn't sell correctly or she didn't feed properly. I just... It wasn't the greatest from May Sakurai, and it's a shame as there was such a focus on her in this match, Matt. Match, which makes sense for the angle, but you can see in something that I've noticed and something that uh, you know I've had happen, you know I've seen in matches before, is you can just see because she was off on so many spots and didn't know where to go, wasn't selling properly. You can see Julia like slapped her like right on the ribs, and you can see it was out of frustration. And she yelled, I think she like yelled something like, "Come on, let's go!" Like you got to pick it up because this angle we're about to do is all about you. And uh, yeah, it just seemed like it was it was a bit off and. Kind of take a step back and hashtag Rob Goodwin was right again. When we previewed uh, the show last week, we were kind of questioning how come match three or match four wasn't the main event. And then you said, well, you know, this is, this might be where uh, they do the turn. The May Sakurai, you know, and to close the show. And as usual, uh, you were right, sir. I mean, obviously that was the big angle, what everybody was talking about at the end of the show, but yeah, it just it just seems like she was off, and I I think if and I had some people asking me like, what would you do with her in DDM? I would take her off shows for like two or three weeks, and I would literally show her, you know, on the on the YouTube channel, her training with the Suri, her training with the Julia, Amica, Himika, where she's because she's she's got long limbs, so you can train her like strikes, kicks, like to, like have her like one big kick, and then maybe give her like a pile driver, and then like a choke. Like, get completely redo, remove her moveset. And then I would probably, if you're going to put her in singles matches, I wouldn't have her in there more than six or seven minutes. I would have her, you know, get some heat, show those off those new kicks, show off the new, you know, pile driver or whatever, and then maybe the choke, and then get her in and get her out. But I, I just think she needs more training. And now that she's in DDM, and, you know, DDM is obviously, you know, the most push, push faction, that's going to put her more light on her. And if she's off kilter this much, that's not good. No, and I'll be honest, the match isn't actually too much to write home about. It's good, you know, you've got your good moments. Julie versus Tam is always great. Um, Yanagi firing up on Tekla was brilliant. Mirai absolutely destroying Yanagi with a clothesline reversal out of an STO. Just tremendous. But obviously, you want to give May more exposure in this match, which is a little bit of a double-edged sword game or practice. But again, she seemed off a game, which meant that she botched more with the time she was given. However... 
it wasn't necessarily about the match. The post-match angle was tremendous. Now, it might have been because I knew what was going to happen prior to the match because I had it spoiled. Thank you, We Are Sardom. Uh, but she didn't seem... May doesn't seem into the dance, the opening promo, or even the gift of Tam's autobiography. So even before the match, you know something is off. Anyway, post-match, obviously, DDM have sort of been getting into her head about, you know, you're going to stagnate in Cosmic Angels, you need to join another faction, and slowly been getting in her head. Um, and Blake, basically, Julia outright asks her at the end of this match, do you have an answer? And Mariah says, yes, I want to join DDM. And her rationale is that she doesn't want to dance anymore. Which is, you know, fair enough. Um, honestly, I can't see how Mirai going to DDM is a bad thing. Um, DDM need a pin eater because that's the problem with having a faction of a billion upper mid-carders. Um, plus, it might help May to spontaneously grow a personality. Which, you know, we can but hope. Um, plus, with eight me members now, it seems we are almost nailed on that a DDM split is on the horizon map. Or you can do a 16-person tag match between DDM and Oedo Tai. <laughs> <laughs> so I have room around the ring. Kind of. Kind of uh, yeah, to, to go uh, real quick just on the match, the one, obviously, you have Julia and uh, Tam in there. So obviously, that's going to... You, you, that's where the eyes are going to be drawn to, but I, I want to see a Mirai versus Unagi match. You, you mentioned the two of them just wailing on each other. I thought that was good. Uh, the post-match promo, I thought kind of when Mirai said, I don't want to dance anymore. It's just like, no offense, but you, you really kind of didn't dance <laughs> that well anyway. You know, it's kind of like me at a wedding six beers deep and somebody says, let's do a shout out tequila and get on the dance floor. That's about, you know, that's the dance off that you're getting there. <laughs> So, but uh, and then uh, I thought it was funny. Tam grabbed, you know, Tam was super, super aggressive. I mean, you're just you're just pissing Tam off even more. Which you're gonna, I think you're gonna see another uh, side of Tam, more violent side of Tam, which I'm all for. But she was like, "You don't want to dance," and then points at Matt Sapoy and Mike and him. Like, I'm like, "Will you guys dance?" And then again, I'm like, "Well, you know, maybe not Sapoy dances, but the other two, <laughs> not really." But anywho, so I thought that was. Uh, that was good. Then, you know, May was very passionate in her promo where she said she quit her, you know, the agency that she runs to focus more on wrestling. And that I didn't know. And right there, right there, you know, like, I know we don't mean to bag on May Sacken, right? But at the same time, it's like you're in stardom. Like, let's up our game here. But it's like the fact that she quit her, you know, the, the job that she had or the company that she owned or whatever so she could focus more on wrestling, that got over huge with me. Uh, so, again, hopefully it's something that the DDM members take under her wing and it is, you know, you mentioned a few seconds ago, maybe they show more of her personality. Uh, you know, again, we'll see where it goes, but it's some, something to keep an eye on. I thought it was smart booking because I don't think she was doing too much, you know, in Cosmic Angels. And now you're kind of kind of give her this uh, fresh coat of paint and uh, you're putting her with the, uh, you know, the, the, the faction that they're pushing the most. So but again, even Julia said. When she did the closing the promo and she looked around, she goes, "Oh, there's eight members now." And I was like, "Yeah." She kind of poked fun. She kind of poked fun at her own jokes. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I guess so." Um, speaking of Julia, her shouting "Good luck in dance practice" to whack her as she leaves is elite level shit housery. I thought that was tremendous. Um, what a jerk! I know what a dick. However, I thought the best person in this entire segment was Wakasukiyama. Just her 
absolute just you could see her destruction just absolute floods of tears and the camera work was tremendous as they zoomed in on Wacker not wanting to look away from May looking betrayed as she walks to the back that was tremendous and to be honest it helps to get that angle over as well massively um and obviously it would feed into uh, a really really good match on uh, on the second show which we'll talk again about now which uh, is stardom in kyoto uh, for what the- a segue Oh, what a I know. Segue, I know. I know. <laughs> for the 13th of February 2022, from the beautiful Kyoto KBS Hall, in front of 378 people. Uh, match one then was a three way match Natsupoi defeating Momokogo and Momo Watanabe with the La Magistral in 10 minutes and five seconds. Uh, a decent enough opener, Matt. Yeah, not bad. You have the two Momos in there and Natsupoi as well. And I, with these pre-match promos that Oedo Tai has been doing, it's like now they're a little, they're trying to get a little more comedic, especially like where they're going to eat. And so I thought that that was kind of interesting. But yeah, obviously Momo Kogo, uh, they have big plans for. She's really good already. You're in the ring with Momo Watanabe, who's one of the top tier people of stardom the last handful of years. And Natsupoi, who's getting a white belt shot. So I thought this match did what it needed to do. And you kind of figured, who was going to eat the pin on this one, who was going to go over. It just made sense for to get a little more steam on Natsupoi, and obviously you're not going to beat Momo Watanabe here. But yeah, so this was a solid opener. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And this really kind of, to me, the way that taking a step back, looking at it from a wrestler's perspective, this was just kind of just a learning match for Momo Kogo, which is obviously huge. You know, she's in the ring with two of the best wrestlers on the roster. So good, good for her. Good for her to get, the again, the reps in, and the reps in with the right people. Absolutely. Match two, tag team match, saw the stars team of Hanan and Hazuki defeat Wakasuki Yama and Mei Sakurai uh, with Hazuki pinning Wakasuki Yama with the Michinoku driver in 10 minutes and 37 seconds. Obviously, this match had already been booked and was sort of in the books before Mei uh, turned to join DDM. So the chemistry between Waka and Mei during this was absolutely phenomenal and if anything actually did more for Waka than it did for me i thought she looked brilliant here matt yeah you know what coming off these two shows like if you were to and i don't want to be negative but if you were to like hey make a list of the top five workers in stardom and a list of the top five bottom workers i would put may and Waka in there and all of a sudden you you made their feud interesting because of you know Waka's facial expressions you know her firing up on Mike and Himika the night before, how upset she was over May's betrayal. Again, this is just genius booking by Stardom. It's like, okay, we have these these two people on the bottom that are, you know, to steal your word, uh, pin eaters. How can we try to get them over to mean more? And literally within two shows, they did that. But yeah, there was a lot of, I mean, May just acting like a complete jerk. I mean, basically picking up where Julia left off the night before. <laughs> like, coming with the DDM hoodie, coming in with com- this complete asshole swagger, part of my language, but literally she comes to the ring like, you know, her shit doesn't stink, uh, you know, obviously to a heel reaction. And then poor Waka, just heartbroken. You can just see it towards the end of the match. She just gets pissed off and it does not want to have any more of this crap from, from May. And then you just feel bad. Poor Hazuki has just, she realized, hey, I got a match, I got to win. So I just need to just destroy who I need to destroy and get in and get out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I loved here the fact that 
May shoved Wacker out of the ring so that Wacker could start. Sorry, so that May could start. And then Wacker's literally dragging May back to the corner by her hair and then went to go and tag her in, tag herself in, but is too short to get over the top rope to tag May, who's on the floor, so I had to jump. But I, th- I thought she had did a fantastic job here. And we talked about personality. Wacker has got that personality in spades. I think she's so charismatic, and whilst I don't see her as, you know, a future Red Belt winner, I certainly, she's going to be a solid in-ring worker and someone that it's very, very easy to get behind, Matt. Yeah, she has those facial expressions that you just, that's like, you, you, she's just like an old-school 70s, 80s white meat baby face. It's like, you like her. She, you know, she's not in the same vein as a Mayu, you know, uh, you know or Yutami by any means, but at the same time, you need a solid hand like that to get on the roster. And her inside cradles, the way she kind of goes back to back with them and how it's like the first one's two and a half and the next one's like 2.7 and the next one's like 2.999. It's like you almost bite because she does these inside cradles so well and where she places them in the match. And it's just something different. You know, that, that kind of stands out just a little bit more on the roster. So I'm kind of excited to see where they go because now it's just like they, they kind of put a little more stock into her with this feud going on. So and hopefully she can finally get a win because I don't think she has a, a pinfall win in stardom. She doesn't. She doesn't have a win full stop, I don't think. No, no. And you know what? And if, if obviously if you pick up Living the Dream Stardom's 10th anniversary <laughs> review book, you can find. I was trying to find a way to work that in with everything we have going on. I'm literally looking at the book right now. But you can find out more stats from not only Waka, but uh, so many other of the fantastic competitors in stardom. Thanks very much, man. <laughs> um, Pleasure. Match three then saw another tag team match with the Queen's Quest team of Azumi and Sayakamatani defeating the Uedetai team of Starlight Kid and Ruwaka with uh, Azumi submitting Ruwaka with the Numero Uno in 10 minutes and 59 seconds. This was another really, really enjoyable match, Matt. And for everything I said about Ruwaka, I thought she looked considerably better here. Yeah, she looked really good here. And I think maybe I noticed that she looks better in tags than she does like two on two than she does on the six person or eight person. I think maybe she thinks that, well, maybe I can just do this, this and this and get away. But if there's in tag matches, she has to do more. But she definitely did look a little bit better here. And again, two nights in a row, Azumi and Sayakamitani. I mean, if they win the tag belts next month, I, I wouldn't complain. Their in-ring chemistry together is so well. And again, it's just considering the fact that Azumi's main tag partner for the last two years was Momo. Obviously, Momo left and went to a widow tie. And Saya's uh, tag partner is Yutami with uh, Aphrodite. It's, to me, it's like, it's, if they put these in a feud, of, you know, Azumi and Saya in a feud with FWC, I don't think I would complain. I don't think you, neither would you. Uh, but I thought all uh, both teams looked really good here. But again, to me, Azumi and Saya as a tag team together, ooh, it's a tough team to beat. They look really good here. Yeah, really, really good. I'm never, ever not going to be excited for an Azumi and Starlight Kid exchange. Um, You know, I thought they were absolutely fantastic. And when you've got in the back of your head Starlight Kid saying, you're my my forever foe or my eternal foe, I think she called Azumi, that's fantastic. You've then got that history between the pair and they never don't put on a great match. And that match that they're going to have at Cinderella Journey, so excited for it so excited for it um i gave this three and a quarter matt what about you i was three and a half like a little bit more than you fair enough fair enough 
Uh, we got our second time limit draw of the weekend with match four, a six-woman tag team match, the DDM team of Mirai, Julia, and Micah, and the Cosmic Angels team of Tamnakana, Yanagisayaka, and Mina Shirakawa, ending in a very feisty time limit draw in 15 minutes. Uh, with everything that went on on the previous night, Matt, are you surprised this went and got as heated as it did? This is what it needed to be. Uh, you have the three main members of Cosmic Angels. And my first thing was, are they going <laughs> to think this is funny? I'm like, are they going to dance because of what happened? And they're in the ring with the uh, DDM <laughs> team. Not only did they dance, but I thought their dance was the best dance yet. Maybe it was just because it was in the ring behind that stained glass background. So I was like, okay, maybe they're not taking this as serious, but I'm never not going to complain for the Cosmic Angels team dancing. But then the match starts, and they kind of almost pull an Oedo tie because they literally, like, they want to start Tam and Julia. And then Tam calls in Unagi and Mina to jump Julia. And I thought, oh, that's smart. Like, you see them with the dance. Maybe they're not taking this as serious. And like, and then they, so they do the jump. They beat up on Julia. Uh, Mike and Mirai come in for the save. And then Julia turns it around and just boots Tam right in the face. And from that point on, it felt like it was like a big fight. Like it felt like this was important. Like it, it felt like we don't care who wins. We don't care who loses. It all depends on who looks more bruised and beat up at the end. So I thought the time limit draw was perfect. I thought, and it even went past the time limit draw because it didn't matter. The bell was ringing. These six ladies were just beating the crap out of each other. And I, I'm excited to see where this goes because yeah, it did have a big fight feel and it got ugly in a good way. Uh, as well as it should, as well as it should, considering the fact of what happened the night before. I really enjoyed this match. I really enjoyed the pacing, the psychology, and I thought the time limit draw was absolutely perfect and, and much needed here. Yeah, it was another one I gave three and three quarter stars. I, I do encourage you to go and watch this one. It's maybe not as technically as sound as the other match that we gave three and three quarters to on the previous night, but Jesus Christ, these women absolutely beat the shit out of each other. I mean, Mariah is throwing Larry's left, right and center and Julia and Tam. The only way that few can get any hotter is if one of them legitimately kills the other one. So the fact that they've been able to turn the heat up on a feud that has already been going nigh on a year is testament to the booking. And yeah, Absolutely. This is going to be phenomenally exciting, Matt, going forward. So, yeah, very, very excited. Yeah, absolutely. And if you like, I mean, I like technical wrestling and hard-hitting wrestling. This didn't need to be, you know, a catch-as-catch-can match considering the fact of what happened. So if you're a fan of hard-hitting, just chaotic matches, uh, this, is, this is the one for you. Yeah, this was excellent. I had this one at three and a half stars, so get, right around yeah. here. Yeah, absolutely. I liked it a bit more, but I think that's just because I like big hossy fights. So yeah, big fan of this. Match five then, the semi-main was another fantastic tag team match with the DDM team of Suri and Himika defeating the Stars team of a much more mobile Mayu Iwatani and Koguma uh, with Suri pitting Koguma with the Ruyan in 14 minutes and 17 seconds. Again, I know it sounds like I'm a broken record, but this was another really good match. Not only that, but uh, uh, I made a note here. You know when you're watching a title match, right? doesn't matter what promotion. And you know there's a 99% chance that the belt's not going to switch. But you don't care because you know it's going to be a good match. Like, look at any time Ishii or Goto challenge for the belt. Or just as recently, Hazuki and uh, Micah challenging Utami for the red belt towards the end of last year. You know 
that title's probably not going to change hands, but you don't care because you know you're about to see a good match. Now, me and you talked before. We think that Momo is going to be the next Red Belt champion. So after this weekend, I think her first challenger should be Himika. And I think that would be an absolute fantastic match. Just how hard she was laying some of her strikes in. I would love to see a Momo versus Himika Red Belt Championship match. Am I nuts for that? Or I mean, I know I'm nuts, but like, <laughs> I think that's something. I think that'd be great. I'd be all up for that. I will be very much up for that. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. I'm just I'm thinking about the very prospect of that match, and uh, I don't care. That again, would be incredible, again, even without it, even with it being a predictable result. It's one of those that you'd still look at and go, taking the result out of this, it's going to be a hard-hitting, really, really good match. Yeah, I don't get hung up on like those. It's just like, well, you know the belt's not going to change. Like, Just give me a good match. You can't just have the belt change, you know, one title win, belt change, no title, no you know, successful titles. You know, it's not UFC. You, you can't play hot potato all the time with it. But that's what I was kind of thinking. I was like, man, where are they going to go with him? Because she's so good. And um, they... They, they're kind of shining people up on these last two shows. I mean, look what, look who's in the main event. I mean, you, have, you know, they, they shine Saki up. They shine uh, Waka and, uh, you know, May Sakurai up. So it's like, you know, I think it's somewhere in the late spring, early summer, I think they need to give Himika a little, little singles push. I would love to see that match. But anyway, yeah, this is fantastic. You know, Yamai Utan and Kogima versus Shiri and Himika. Uh, not only was it a solid match, but again, to me, the outlier of this match, the big story, was your preview for Siri versus Mayu, uh, which that, that's how the match started. It's kind of how it built. And I'm just super excited to see this match coming up we have, you know, in about five weeks' time. You spoke about Himika. Her last singles title match was in October 2020. Wow. You do your research, sir. 18 months ago, her last singles match, and that was against Julia for the Wonder of Stardom Championship at Corrigan Hall. So has, has she ever has she has she ever had a red belt? No. Uh, gone, uh, challenge for the red? I don't think so. No, that's her so only I... singles championship match in Stardom. Wow, um, it's time. I I think it is. I mean, especially as we talked about when we when we first started doing this podcast together, um, she just come out to Suri and said basically, if Konami's not fit, I'll take you on. And then she never got that singles match that she probably deserves. So I imagine that perhaps this could be turning into an angle and maybe this could be the reason that Himika leaves DDM. She doesn't feel like she's getting the opportunity. Maybe that's me very much spitballing, but I reckon that could be leading to something. Because that's a long time for someone to go without a singles belt. Like not just even red or white belt. No SWA obviously no high speed you know nothing so you don't you don't want to see Himika in a high speed match I don't think yeah well <laughs> do you know what genuinely the pace at which she runs at people in the corner is genuinely frightening so I reckon she'd probably do a job three minute match three I, minute match oh just her God. throwing her throwing 80 mile an hour hilarious she'd <laughs> kill someone she'd legitimately kill someone um, we just we just rebooked the entire high speed division in forty five seconds. <laughs> so the main event of this show was the SWA undisputed World Women's Championship match between the champion Tekla and she defeated Saki Kashima with the Daukagumo 
death drop in 14 minutes and 11 seconds. A couple of stats heading into this. Obviously, this is Tekla's first title defense since winning the vacant belt at Nagoya. This is Saki's first singles title match since October the 8th in Osaka Joe Hall against Suri, which was impromptu. She has never won a singles title and has had only five single title matches before this match. One for the SWA, two after this match, three for the high speed, one for the wonder of stardom. She's been with the company since June 2011. Wow. Micah has had two opportunities for the red belt, and she's been with the company just over a year. Year and, well, no, just over two years. Just to give you some context. Wow. Well, I thought Saki looked great here. And they did a good job building her up on the shows the previous week leading up. I Honestly, this goes to show that Saki needs to be given a little bit more respect and a little bit more of a spotlight. Because I thought this match was great. And for all of what we said about Tekla selling in that one match, do you know what? I'm willing to call that an isolated incident because I thought she sold tremendously in this match, especially the desperation as the match got deeper. I thought this was a really, really, really entertaining match. I think these two, similar to Tekla and Mina, they have great chemistry. It's obviously a very different matchup to that of Tekla and Mina, but they still have very, very good chemistry, Matt. Yeah, I thought this was really good. And for me being a a heavy metal, death metal guy, Tekla comes out to this absolute phenomenal song she had a mask and a new jacket i was like oh man tecla her stuff's going up with me every week you know just based kind of just on the on the music alone but i thought this was probably tecla's best singles match i thought this was really good they gave it enough time not too much i mean both these shows were kind of just just loaded loaded with talent loaded with you know storylines and you throw in the uh the Kyrie thing as well so stardom's coming off really a good handful of days and I thought they did a good job basically bookending uh, the show with a, a, a solid title match. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Saki's kicks, you know, I'm a big kick guy. Saki's kicks was she was really laying them in. Tekla's selling, you know, her feeding into it. Uh, how you, you alluded to a, a minute or so ago about her looking more desperate as the match goes, especially if it's a title match. You know, not only am I might lose this match, but I might lose this title that I just won. And, uh, you know, there was some, some points in the match that if you didn't know the result that you thought maybe that Saki could win which is just a great an illusion, uh, you know, the illusion and the uh, the art of professional wrestling. So great job by both women here to uh, close out the show. And I think as well, they've built the Kishkasai so strongly as this surprise roll of victory that anytime she locks it in, you are almost trained Pavlovian dog style to think, holy shit, she's going to win. Um, yeah. And I thought that was done really, really well here. And that was sold really well by Tekla. Tekla selling Saki's buzzsaw kick like she'd just been decapitated was tremendous. And then there was a wonderful re- moment where Saki, Tekla goes for the O'Connor roll. And as she goes to bridge, Saki literally kicks her in the back from on the floor. And I've never seen that reverse live in. It was so simple, but it looked so cool. I really, really liked that. And it was, like I say, the most subtle thing. But as we've already mentioned, you know, She's such an underrated worker. She really is. Um, overall, I gave it three and a half stars. What about you? Three and a quarter. Yeah, I was just right there with you, three and a quarter. But yeah, this roster is so deep. It's so deep. And it's, again, not to beat a, we're going to keep, I'm going to keep beating the drum. I don't care. 
I can't wait to see Kari work with all these people, whether tags, whether, you know, singles. I mean, it's just so much, so much opportunity in there for everybody in this company. And I'm excited to watch it grow. Yeah, absolutely. So that was the end of our two shows that we're going to look at. I just want to quickly preview a couple of shows that are going to be happening, one of which happens tomorrow as we record and one of which on Monday. So the cards have been announced for that. So we've got from the 20th of February from TKP Garden City, Chiba, we have got the following card. We have got a four-way battle between Sayakamatani, Hanan, Mirai and Fukikin Death. We have then got a tag team match with Micah and Himika taking on Rina and Ruaka. We've got a tag team match, which, Jesus, this is going to be good. Uh, Natsupoi and Siori taking on Utami and Azumi. Plug it into my veins. Um, we've then got an eight-woman tag team match with the stars team of Mai Wibutani, Hazuki, uh, Kogama and Momokogo taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Tam, Yunagi, Mina, and Waka Sukiyama. And then our main event is a six-person tag match with Julia, Tekla, and May Sakurai taking on the Awedatai team of uh, Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe, and Saki Kashima. Apart from the obvious then, Matt, which is that tag team match between DDM and Queen's Quest, what are you most excited for here? Maybe you need to put that uh, Queen's Quest DDM match on last. Scary uh, <laughs> <laughs> Utami in the ring again. You know, it's 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 the women's version of Flair, Steamboat, Okada, Tanahashi. Oh, that <laughs> eight-person, uh, that, that co-main event, the eight-person will be good. Anytime we can get Tam in the ring with Mayu, you know, I'm uh, I'm game. And the first match is a, uh, a multi-person match with Death, to quote you. Uh, put the money on death. There's more than two people in the match. So 100%, 100% winning that. Definitely. <laughs> um, the Corican Hall show then that follows on the 21st, which is the Mondays we record, uh, the card has been announced and that goes a little something like this. So we open with a tag team match. The stars team of Hanan and Kaguma taking on the Awedatai team of Fukikin Death and Saki Kashima. We've then got a singles match, Mina Shirakawa versus Momo Watanabe. They put on a fantastic match in the five star. So if that's given time, I'm excited for that. Um, is that, uh, I'm going to cut you off real quick. Is that Momo's only her second singles match since the turn? She had the singles with Azumi and I think that was it. Everything else has been multi-person. That is a good question. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Um, she's certainly not had many singles matches. This could be her second one, you know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm sorry, God. I, I, that, that thought literally just popped in my head, as you said. Momo Watanabe and nobody else. I was like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> a singles match, finally. <laughs> um, we've then got a six-person tag with the Queen's Quest team of Utami, Sayakamatani, and Azumi taking on Mayu Iwatani, Momokogo, and Hazuki. Um, in our fourth match, we have got the DDM team of Julia, Mirai, and Mei Sakurai taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Wakasukiyama, and Yunagi Sayaka. In our semi-main, it is Prominence versus DDM, an outpost ready for world climax, with the DDA team of Suri and Tekla taking on the Prominence team of Risa, uh, Risa Sarah, sorry, and Fujita Akane. Akane Fujita? Akane Fujita. And the main event, the Artist of Stardom Championship match, Micah, Himika, and Natsupoi, the champions, taking on the challenging team, Younger Wiedertai, Starlight Kid, Ruwaka, 
and Rena. Matt, what are your opinions of the Corrigan Hall show? You know, I've noticed the past few times that Starlight Kid has been in the ring with the taller opponents, obviously meaning uh, Mike and Himika, that she puts more explosion into things that she does. Not that she hasn't before, but the psychology just makes sense. It's like, okay, these people are bigger. I throw kicks. I throw some forearms. I throw some drop kicks. Uh, when she does the uh, the 619 thing, she throws it with a little bit more force. So don't be surprised to see it here. I think just those little things that make Starlight Kid brilliant. Um, I think you'll see it on here. Obviously, uh, the uh, Cosmic Angels DDM, I think that's going to be bowling shoe ugly, to quote Jim Ross again, uh, in the best way possible. I think that's just going to be a fight, considering the fact that you have Waka and Mai on opposite sides, and obviously Tam and uh, Julie as well. But I'm really looking forward to the uh, Mina versus Momo match. Uh, again, they had a great match in the five-star, as you alluded to. Mina has gotten significantly better. Not that she was bad before, but she's gotten significantly better. And Momo has a uh, you know a new look with the uh, the Oedo tie turn. And again, I think this is only her second singles match uh, since the turn, which happened in December. So uh, I think that 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 singles match is probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. And of course, we can't forget the DDM versus Prominence tag team match. I'm very excited to see what we get with that. Unfortunately, I very much think that Tackler might be eating the pin here, but we will see. Finally, Matt, obviously we are only four days as we record away from Cinderella Journey 2022 in Nagaoka. So what we're going to do is very, very quickly, we are going to race through our predictions for that show. So again, we'll go through this card, we'll give our predictions, and then we'll laugh on the next podcast of when we're both hilariously wrong. So pre-show three-way. Now this has had a different layer added to it. It's Rena versus Wacker versus May. Who have you got for that? I'd be May now, right? I mean, how can it not be? Gotta be. I'd, I'd be amazed if anyone else bar May comes out of that with the, with the victory. Um, I don't see it being long before Wacker picks up her first victory, but I don't see it happening here. I'd be incredibly surprised. Um, we've then got the future of Stardom Championship match between the champion Hannon and the challenger Momo Kogo. This is Hannon, surely, isn't it? Yeah, uh, not time for Momo Kogo just yet, but these two uh, impressed me so much that obviously they're in stars together. Uh, you know, they'll probably get this one seven, eight minutes, and I think it'll be a solid seven, eight minutes. I don't think this is going to get like four, four and a half stars, but I think when we review this, we're both going to be like, yeah, this was a solid, you know, main car opener. And I'm really looking forward to it. Mm, definitely. I mean, Momo Kogo's really impressed me in the last couple of uh, in the last couple of shows. So I'm excited to see what she can do here. Uh, we've got the returning Lady C, your arch nemesis, in the next match yeah. with the tag team... <laughs> of Utami and Lady C taking on Momo Watanabe and Ruaka. I mean, I'm going to wet a tie um, simply because, and I know this sounds horrible, but Lady C is in the pin. Momo is going to uh, kick her head off. It's going to be Lady C completely dominating Momo Watanabe in about four minutes. No, I totally agree. <laughs> it's going to be Momo getting the pin on Lady C, but we're going to get a little preview of Momo versus uh, Utami which I think is going to, I think we both think that's going to be one of the big singles matches coming up towards the end of March. Um, we've then got a tag team match with the team of Tam and Mayu taking on the team of Saki Kashima and Fukikan Death. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here 
uh, and say that my used team is going to win simply because we have got a world championship match to build towards. What about you? Yeah, this is kind of weird. You having Mayu and Tam on there. It's kind of a throwback, you know. It's uh, you know, obviously <laughs> we know in real life they're probably really good friends. Uh, obviously, Tam one of the ninety-four people that has betrayed Mayu. So I think it's kind of cool to see a little reunion here. It's kind of a weird team, Death and uh, and Saki. That what was the name of their team? We love Tokyo Sports. Something and, like uh, that. Yes, in the tag league. <laughs> I think it'll be pretty solid because I think I think Death is a pretty solid worker. Uh, obviously, Saki they did a good job, you know, with her over the last few uh, few shows. And it's Mayu and Tam, but yeah, it's going to be Mayu and Tam winning. Uh, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say Tam pinning Saki just to maybe get a little bit more steam on Tam going into the uh, Kari tag match. Mm. It does make you wonder. Obviously, Saki requested this because initially it was a singles match between Saki and Mayu. It wouldn't surprise me if Saki's requested this be a tag match because there's something in the works. Don't quote me on it. I don't know anything, obviously. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if maybe the Ueretai thing is to play on the distrust between Mayu and Tam. Maybe. And that's how they come away with a victory. We will see. Um, we'll disagree with you when you said that you don't know anything because you know enough to uh, write a book. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Our last non-title match then is the DDM Civil War match uh, with Suri Himika and Micah taking on Julia Tekla and Mirai. Oh Jesus! Are they going to go? Are they going to go? Time, the time limit draw this? again. What's the time? I Uh, time if it's a half an hour, I think it's too long. But I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the time limit around this one because I don't know because I don't I don't know who who benefits what by a win or, or a loss here. Not unless Julia pins Siri, and then it's just like I mean, oh, not unless Julia gets the pin just to build her up a little bit towards her title match. Oh, I don't know. I'm gonna say time limit drive. That's a toughie. I'm gonna go. Okay. I'm going to go Himika over Mirai. And there you go, sir. my reasoning behind that is, and I will keep plugging this damn DDM split till they bloody do it, um, I'm wondering if Himika sees Mirai as a threat to her position in DDM. And maybe a big victory over here could be a sort of stamp of authority. You got the red belt shot that I feel like I should have had. So, you know, here's a lariat and a uh, backbreaker or something like that. I just see something like that happening. I don't see DDM being all rosy coming out of World Climax in March, and it could all start here. So we obviously had a vote, or Stardom put a vote up, to see what should be the main event. Uh, that was won by the White Belt match, so we'll talk about that in a minute, which means that next we have the Goddess of Stardom title match between the team of Mina Shirakawa and Yunagi and the champions Fukuoka, Double Crazy, Hazuki, and Kagama. Uh, Matt, who have you got going over? So this will be a solid match, but uh, this is one that I think you're going to see an emphatic FWC win. Uh, they won the tag belts on a quick roll-up. They got a, re a retain against Mike and Himika on a quick roll-up. They need a uh, like a solid finish win, like a Koguma top rope splash or a Hazuki uh, Mijinoku driver. I think that's where they get it here, but I don't see the tag belts change it, but this should be a, a solid, solid, hard-hitting match. 
I'm just going to put this out there. If Cosmic Angels lose, Mina will eat the pin. There's no way they'll have Yanagi hitting the pin. No, no, especially with that big tag match coming up at the end of March. Exactly. Um, second in the vote was the high-speed match between Starlight and Azumi, so it would make sense for that to be the semi-main. But again, this card order isn't um, confirmed yet, so bear with us. Um, and it's the champion Starlight Kid versus Azumi. This is the match I'm most looking forward to on this card. This and the old DDM six-woman tag. I'd love to say I'd see Azumi taking the belt here. Oh. The thing is, whoever takes the belt here, the loser, I feel, is going to go on to challenge for the Wonder of Stardom Championship later in the year. So, or to do well in the Cinderella tournament. Now, whether that is so Azumi or Starlight Kid, I don't know. What about this is you? The toughest match. This is the toughest match, match to predict. Oh, oh. time limit drop. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> double count out. No, I'm going to say uh, Starlight Kid wins just because they've been kind of breaking Azumi down just to build her back up. I'm going to say Starlight Kid wins, but then Azumi gets a good run or maybe even wins the Cinderella tournament, even though I know that's what been your prediction for the last 19 years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Starlight's only been running 11. But, uh, oh, yeah, this is, I mean, I've been wrong. There's, there's a lot of times that sometimes on these cards I get, like, two matches right. But I have a feeling that I think I'm going to do way well better than 50% on this this show. This is the hardest match for me to predict, but I'm going to say Starlight Kid. <sighs> the thing is, I just don't see any of the titles changing hands on this card. I'm going to go Starlight Kid as well. Um, and for the exact same reason as you, I think with all the storyline with Momo and Queen's Quest, I think it would make sense for Azumi to win the Cinderella. Um, oh, oh, I don't know. It wouldn't. Let's put it this way: I think Starlight Kid wins, but it would not surprise me in the slightest if Azumi wins. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I'm like 55 percent on this one. 55 percent on this one that Starlight Kid wins. 42% that Azumi wins, and that's, what, 3% left uh, for Time Honored Drive. <laughs> <laughs> the Time Honored Friend. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, the winner of the poll was the White Bell match. So the main event will be Sayakamatani versus Natsupoi for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. Much as I love the Poi, um, Sayakamatani's winning this, hands down. Yeah. yeah, and I also think that this is probably the best match of the show. Um, not that I say this whole card is just as you you know reread it out. This is this whole card is an absolute banger. But I think just based on kind of the little tease of the crazy things that they were going to do in the uh, the tag match from the shows we just reviewed, uh, I think this one's going to be an absolute banger. I'm excited to uh, to see what happens. These two have really good chemistry, but I think uh, Sai gets the win here as well. Yeah, I don't think Natsupoy they're going to put the belt on Natsupoy, especially the fact that they're teasing Akari versus. Um, Saya white belt match coming up. Yeah, as as fifty one forty nine as I am with Starlight and Azumi, I am ninety ten with Saya Kamatani and uh, Natsupoi. And that other ten percent is not a Natsupoi victory; it's a um, time limit draw. But I ju I just don't see Saya Kamatani dropping the belt here. I do think that she will have a shorter white belt reign simply because we've had a couple of long ones. I just don't see it ending here. Um, I think she'll drop it at World Climax. Who too? Maybe Kyrie on the second night. I don't particularly want Kyrie challenging for a belt yet, 
But who knows? Who knows? Um, and that just about brings us to the close of our show. There's just a couple of things that I want to raise your awareness of in uh, regard to our Patreon. Again, you can subscribe, patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast. We really appreciate all the support we've been getting, all the positive feedback about the bonus episodes. Thank you so much to everyone that has subscribed or given us any money at all to talk about stardom. We cannot say thank you enough and that is joseph usher rob jones niagara driver john owen valkage bracker tom ed bc brandon neal steve clark tony stanley emerson stone alex tremaine iwep network mike spike sp jeff baker dodon solar steve kaklamanos uh colin Matthew, eric sandoval ben grimshaw thank you to each and every one of you for supporting our Patreon. We really do appreciate it. Um, our review of Ria Goku Championship Cinderella Sumo Hall Fiesta 2013 show, or whatever it's called, is currently up on Patreon for our Red Belt and White Belt patrons. Um, we put up a poll uh, to sort of gauge what you would like us to do for March. That poll has now closed. So this is the schedule for March. On the 2nd of March, 6pm British Standard Time, we will be doing a match review of Awiditai versus Queen's Quest from the 7th anniversary show. It's the Loser Leaves Unit match. On the 16th, we are going to have another match review. It is Nene Takahashi versus Mako Satomura from Stardom The Highest 2012. And then on the 30th of March, it's the big one. The one you've all requested is the moment Watanabe white belt retrospective. And honestly, ladies and gentlemen, I cannot stress how excited Matt was when he found out this was what we were doing. So excited. I am so excited for this just because I've, I've only seen a... Whoop. Hold on. Okay. Sorry about that. It's all right. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, we had a we had, there's an emergency something going on in my area. Anywho, that's how excited everybody is because now there's uh you know you mentioned Momo Watanabe Red Belt. My fa- my phone starts going all crazy. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I've only seen a couple of these matches, so I'm super excited. Super excited to talk about you know the build up she had. Uh, you know that Io Shirai had to kind of tear her down in a match and then build her back up. So I'm super excited to uh, to, to to go over all that. I'm I'm pumped. I hope that uh, these little jabs I've been giving everybody to vote. I hope they worked because well, they must have worked because we're going to be reviewing it. And, you know, at the end of at the end of the month. And I, when Rob told me, I said, "Well, we're going to be reviewing this show, are the Momo uh, White Belt uh, retrospective, and we also have the uh, two World Climax shows. Literally, probably within like four or five days of each other. So it's uh, and the, to quote Kevin Smith, it's a good reason to stay alive. Absolutely, and. Just to talk about the podcast, we've we've just passed ten thousand downloads. Um, so thank you to every single person who's ever listened to an episode of the Sardom Cast. We we can't thank you enough. It's a pleasure doing it, and the fact that any of you out there like to listen to our idiotic takes and theories and wild conspiracy thoughts on Stardom is is amazing. So thank you to every single one of you. Um, in regards to the Cinderella tournament um, competition. Obviously, I assume we're going to get the field announced um, at the Cinderella Journey show on the 23rd. But again, I could be wrong. As soon as it is announced, we'll put something up on social media and I'll put the form on Patreon ready. Um, In terms of the free podcast, we have got a lot to review. Obviously, the 23rd is the latest pay-per-view 
Um, obviously, we record on a Thursday so that our patrons can have the free episode early, but we're going to be at the mercy of Stardom World Upload. So depending on when that's released, it might be a case of next week being a review of the shows from the 21st and the, sorry, the 20th and the 21st, and then us doing another review um, for Stardom Cinderella Journey. Again, keep your eyes on social media and we'll sort of announce that a little later on when me and Matt have had a chance to have a talk about it because I've only just thought about that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening, guys. We really, really do appreciate it. Um, you can go and subscribe to the podcast if you aren't already. Anywhere you get your podcasts, leave us a five-star review or a comment if you think that we've deserved it. It really does help the exposure to the podcast. So if you're thinking about a way of supporting us, you may be on the fence about the Patreon, just stick us a review down on a podcast app. It really helps us out, really helps us be exposed to more people. Um, and we are the 12th most popular wrestling podcast in Japan. So there is that, I suppose. Um, thank you to everyone that subscribed to our Patreon, like I said. Thank you to everyone that has engaged with us on Twitter, at the Stardomcast. You can check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk. You can talk to me on Twitter at, at RealRobGoodwin. Matt, where can they get you on the old socials? You can get me on Twitter and or the Instagram. Just search Matt Turner OF. Uh, any questions, comments, anything you want to talk about, any promoters out there looking to book me. Also, the new T-shirts are up, and I uh, thank everyone that has bought one. I shipped a whole bunch out earlier this week. I appreciate the support. They are incredible shirts. It's a very, very sexy design, I'm not going to lie. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much for listening, guys. We will talk to you guys again soon.